to go here. This is our second week of this Vibes teaching series, and we are talking about feelings. The world sends tons of mixed messages about feelings, and I really think that the loudest message we receive about feelings is that we should, as Nikki said, anchor ourselves in our feelings, meaning we should do what feels right, we should base our decisions off of our feelings, Um, Or honestly, if that doesn't work for you, we ignore or stuff our feelings. Or honestly, sometimes we just feel emotionally out of control. But again, what Nikki said was so encouraging. With God, with his spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit who is with us, there is a different way. Your feelings are real, but your feelings aren't your reality. Because of Jesus, your feelings aren't the boss of you. Your feelings are meant to be a gauge in life, not your guide. So God gave us feelings, all of them, the good ones, the pleasant ones, and the really hard ones. God gave us feelings to help get our attention, and so we should pay attention. Nikki gave this example of if we slam our fingers in the door, which hurts really bad, and we feel that, and we know that we need to pay attention to our fingers and tend to them and care to them, check them out. So feelings are like that. They're meant to be a gauge, not a guide. Again, like when your check engine light comes on, doesn't mean your engine is completely broken. It does mean that you should pay attention, you should put some effort into getting that taken care of. So that's what feelings are for us. They are an indication to pay attention. And I do think we need to pay attention to our feelings. Ignoring them or stuffing them down won't work long term, just trust me on that one. We can recognize them, we can acknowledge them, and we can actually work through our feelings. We do need to pay attention to them because they teach us about where we're at. Like from a spiritual perspective, they tell us what's going on in our heart, and they can tell us what's going on with our relationship with God. So tonight, we are going to learn a little bit about what I would call a sneaky feeling of envy, or feeling jealous. And I think this is a sneaky feeling because it's not always easy to recognize. At least it hasn't always been easy for me to recognize in my own life. So I don't know about you, but I can go from really quickly being in a good mood to being in a really bad mood. Or I can be having a really great day, I am just loving life, and all of a sudden it is the complete opposite. I'm annoyed, I'm grumpy, and honestly, I just would describe it as sometimes being in a really foul mood. Now I've taken some time to think through these times, because they happen quite frequently, when my mood just switches real quick. And I've noticed a little pattern with myself. I've noticed these emotional switches don't usually get flipped for no reason at all. It actually usually happens after I've been online a little bit or been talking to someone and I see or hear about really exciting things in their life or new things in their life, particularly things that I don't have in my own life. So what I can easily recognize as being in a bad mood is actually a feeling of being envious or jealous of people and their accomplishments and their stages of life. Like when I was a senior in high school and I found out that my good friend was picked for the All-State squad and I was not for like the fourth year in a row. When that same friend received scholarships that I had also applied for and that I did not get, I would honestly get so mad when I would get those letters in the mail telling me that I did not get them and who did. Um, let's see here. And I totally get envious of other people's achievements, and I get jealous of my friends who are awesome people and who are really talented and gifted, but I just have these moments of being jealous of their talents and their gifts and their skills that I don't have or that I don't think I'm getting enough attention for. 
See, jealousy, I think, is really sneaky. It can surface as annoyance, as irritation or grumpiness, but underneath that initial emotion, there's something that is just really not very pretty. As I was prepping for tonight, I realized I was using envy and jealousy, jealousy interchangeably, and I've actually already done that a couple times tonight. So I began to wonder, are they the same thing or are they different things? So I did that classic move of looking up definitions online, and as I read through some definitions, I honestly was just becoming really uncomfortable because I know that I experience jealousy a lot, and I just didn't realize how ugly it is when you really look at a description of it. So I think we've got the first definition here that popped up for me. So the first one, classic. What is the meaning of true, what is the true meaning of jealousy? Jealousy generally refers to the thoughts or feelings of insecurity, fear, concern over relative lack of possessions or safety. Jealousy can consist of one or more emotions such as anger, resentment, inadequacy, helplessness, or disgust. I read that, and I am honestly not really a fan of saying that I have issues with anger or resentment or feel inadequate at times. So the next definition that popped up, what is the meaning of envy? Envy denotes a longing to possess something awarded to or achieved by another, to feel envy when a friend inherits a fortune or gets chosen for something you wanted. Jealousy, on the other hand, denotes a feeling of resentment that another has gained something that one more rightfully deserves. To feel jealousy when a coworker receives a promotion. Or it's like when my first thought is that, that's not fair, that person got that, whatever that is. And then this next information that popped up really got to me. It was a little convicting because it hit close to home. The question was, what is the root cause of jealousy? And this just got me. Jealousy comes out of a lack of trust. A lack of trust in the process of life. Or as Christians, we could say a lack of trust in God or God's timing. A lack of trust in your partner or in yourself. A lack of trust breeds insecurity, which creates jealousy. And then this next phrase just was very true. We stifle these feelings because they are uncomfortable. And then this last sentence, I was like, did they really need to throw that in there? This is the cold, hard truth about jealousy. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, meaning we will continue to have a bias towards other people and we'll start seeing everything through that lens of jealousy when we just leave it unresolved in our life. Okay, so as someone who just admitted to feeling jealous, I don't really like the picture that this paints, to be honest. So I just Googled these things, got these answers. I have no idea if they come from credible sources. So we're gonna compare them to what scripture would say about envy and jealousy. Because God speaks to us through scripture, um, lets us know about him and how we should think and feel. So let's see what God says about envy. I think we've got some verses to pop up on the screen. The first one I found came from Proverbs, which was, we studied Proverbs just a couple weeks ago. Proverbs 14.30 says, A tranquil heart is life to the body, but jealousy is rotten to the bones. There is a different Bible translation that put it, um, A heart at peace gives life to the body but envy rots the bones. And Proverbs 17:22 says, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. And there's one more verse from James 3, chapter, or verse 16, says, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practice. So we definitely have some agreement here that envy is just not a really great thing. There's actually some really strong language used um, to describe what's underneath jealousy. 
There's anger, resentment, a lack of trust, insecurity, and this lovely word picture from scripture of dried up and rotten bones. I mean, it's just gross. So I read these definitions the other day, and I honestly just wanted to like scratch this whole teaching because jealousy is ugly and I deal with it all the time. So talking about jealousy and envy in front of everybody, I'm like, this just exposes my sin, makes me look bad. But here we are, we're talking about this, and there is hope. I'm going to get to some good stuff really soon, I promise. Then Thursday night, I was all excited to see the drama unfold on the latest episode of The Bachelorette. I know I wasn't alone in that. I got all comfy on the couch, drama was promised, and I fell asleep like within the first 20 minutes. And I woke up with only a couple minutes left, so I completely missed the episode. I totally missed out on the shocking drama. So last night, I decided I'm going to watch this episode. I want to know how this played out. And this was after I spent all afternoon prepping for tonight. So like these things about jealousy and envy were in my head. And the drama of this season is that the current bachelorette immediately hits it off with just one guy, she quickly zooms in on him, and she loses interest in the rest of the guys. And as this really unfolded in the episode, I realized I was seeing like jealousy in action. And the ugliness of it just really stood out to me. So in this episode, you have Claire and Dale spending all this time together, and the rest of the guys obviously did not like that. And there would be these clips of just like a couple of the guys talking, and they just started tearing down Claire and Dale. They questioned their character, they questioned their integrity, and as these very unkind things were being said, I realized, like, these guys are so jealous. That is what's going on here. They are so, so jealous, but instead of admitting that they're jealous, um, they just verbally tore down these two people throughout the entire episode. And I found it just so ironic because the way the show goes, only one person gets picked at the end of the season anyway, so all these guys would have been going home. It just happened faster than they expected. And they literally were saying at the end of the night, like, this is unfair. They didn't get what they deserved. Dale wasn't that great of a guy anyway. Like they said, Dale got something he didn't deserve. It's like, do you hear the jealousy in their talk? Um, It's not an attractive quality in my opinion. And there's another story about jealousy I want to share with you tonight. It's a parable, meaning it's an illustrative story um, of a jealous brother that Jesus told during his time on this earth, and it's recorded for us in Luke chapter 15. And I want to share this story with you because we're just not quite done talking about jealousy. I know it's like not the funnest thing, but we're uncovering some layers to this feeling. It can start as anger and frustration. Underneath that is some jealousy, but there might be one more layer to this, one more significant thing that jealousy can reveal to us, and I think we're going to learn that in this scripture. So we are going to Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 31, and we should have it up on the screen where you guys are welcome to open your Bibles or open your Bible app. Let me make sure I got it right here. Okay, Luke chapter 15. Says Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Here's where I want you guys to really pay attention. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered his, your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, some of you might have heard this before. And often when we hear this parable, we focus on the younger son. The son who demands his inheritance, who leaves home, who spends everything he has till he is forced to come home begging for food and forgiveness. Timothy Keller, a pastor and author of the book called The Prodigal God, points out that the younger brother is a traditional depiction of sin. He's reckless, he's self-indulgent. So this is classic rebellion, and it's pretty easily recognizable as sin. But in the second half of the story, you have two sons, one bad and one good. Yet they are both alienated from the father. And we realize that they both want the father's things, not the father. They've both been using the father to get the things they really love, which is his wealth and his status. But one has been doing it by being very, very bad, and the other is doing it by being very, very good. So why does the older brother not go into the feast? He actually, he tells us, he said it to his father, I have never disobeyed you. So it's actually his goodness that is keeping him from the feast. The younger brother was trying to get control by leaving and disobeying leading to the guilt and shame that Nikki talked about last week. While the older brother tried to get control by staying and obeying, and then we see that he is angry and he is jealous of the celebration that his brother is receiving. So the bottom line of all this is that Jesus is saying that both of them are lost. They are both alienated from their father, and they are actually both alienated from God. You see, there are two kinds of lostness. One we talk about pretty frequently in church settings, the lostness that comes from immorality and rebelling, that younger brother heart that runs away. But there's another kind of lostness that we don't often talk about, the lostness of the older brother. The older brother shows us a kind of lostness that doesn't come through rebellion, but it comes through obedience and morality that we then think we deserve good things that God gives because of that. This type of lostness reveals itself when we think God owes us answered prayers and a relatively good life. 
When this is where our heart is really at, we probably see Jesus as a really good role model, but he isn't actually our savior because we, can, we believe that we can actually save ourselves. Our good choices and our good behavior are really just ways to get God to give us what we really want. And those things are not usually God himself. When we make good choices and view ourselves as good people and therefore deserving good things from God, we, meaning me, often then find ourselves angry and jealous when things don't happen the way we think they should. So the last layer to jealousy reveals that we can be spiritually lost. We might be obeying God and making good choices, but it's in order to get things from God. And in that, we are actually missing out on a real relationship with God. So envy is a sign that we're starting to get spiritually, spiritually lost. And since I don't think any of us want to be lost, we need to be spiritually grounded. And we are spiritually grounded when we know what is real and what is true about God, and we can know those things. We are spiritually grounded when we know what we believe and when we know what we are putting our weight on in order to keep moving forward. And what I find really exciting with all this is that there are so many ways to stay connected to God and to continue to expose ourselves to scripture and to truth. Um, I needed to do that this morning. To be honest with all of you, my sleep has just not been good throughout this entire pandemic. So I can have some long stretches of time where I am just really running low on sleep. And that's where I'm at right now. I got up this morning. I did not feel rested at all. And I just started prepping for tonight, finishing my teaching and getting ready. And I started getting lots of texts and work emails about people needing to stay home and program changes. And I just felt that anxious feeling rising. And then honestly, I just was like struggling to get ready for my day. I was just struggling to continue. Um, so I just knew I needed to pause for a moment. I took a couple of minutes and I realized I hadn't read my Bible reading plan for the day, so I took a couple minutes and read that. I used an app that I use, it's called the Pause app, and it just literally was like one minute guiding me through some prayer. And then I listened to my favorite worship song until I felt like I could move on with my day, which honestly was sitting there and I just listened to the same song like three or four times in a row. And I felt a little bit better, like I could keep getting ready. So I've already shared with you guys I get jealous a lot, and as an adult, I've really had to come face to face with my sin and my lostness um, in a way I couldn't do as a teenager or even a college student because I just saw myself as so good and so obedient, and it's just like that older brother in the parable. It is not fun to face our sin whenever that is in our life, daily, weekly, I mean, we just have to face it sometimes. It's not fun to do that and to acknowledge before God the ugly condition of our heart, but the good, good news is we are never left in our sin and in our lostness. Um, God promises us again and again through scripture. He has forgiven us. He has forgiven our ugly sin. He has forgiven our ugly hearts. He gives us his peace and his presence and his truth to ground us and to keep us moving forward. So my encouragement to all of you tonight is to take a step towards being spiritually grounded. And it can start small. What is one thing that would help you be more spiritually grounded? Is there a Bible reading plan to start that would just help you know how to start getting into scripture? Nothing big, reading a couple verses a day or a couple days throughout the week. Is there a podcast to regularly listen to that you're hearing some wise people talk about faith and scripture and life? Um, maybe you can make a new playlist and you put all your favorite worship songs together and that is what you listen to to start your day off. 
Honestly, I just want to encourage you guys to do whatever it takes to remind yourself of what is real and what is true about God. That is honestly just so important. So the man's going to come up now, and we're just going to have a little bit of silence because I want to encourage you guys to just take a moment and pray individually. Just talk to God in your head. Um, And then we are going to sing some songs, thankfully, that proclaim truth, and I think that's going to help us be spiritually grounded tonight. So what I want you to do is take a moment. I think I have this up on a slide. Um, I just want you to tell God what is heavy on your heart. I was able to watch a virtual conference online last Thursday, and one of the speakers encouraged us to do this, and I just found it really helpful. Just take a moment, tell God what is heavy on your heart, tell God what you're feeling, and then I just want you to say to yourself, you can whisper it, you can say it in your head, I receive Jesus' peace today because he does offer his peace to you. So we're just going to have a couple moments of silence, of silence, and I just encourage you to do this. Tell God what is heavy on your heart, receive Jesus' peace, and then we are going to sing. <laughs> 